0: everyone. Welcome to the Gatekeepers podcast. In this episode, Billy Humphrey shares his heart on spiritual hunger. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. Good. Well, I was thinking about tonight and I was in prayer wrestling. What does the Lord want me to share? And I was going back and forth and praying, and I really felt like the Lord gave me something for us tonight, so I really ask for your uh, attentiveness, your heart to be open, and uh, I want to, I really am going to share from my heart tonight, so let's, uh, let's pray together, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to, to minister to us. I know I already had us pray over our own hearts, but I just want to engage the Lord. Lord, here I am. I love you, and I'm grateful And even tonight, as I just open my heart with all these awesome young folks, I just pray that tonight you would move powerfully, powerfully in our midst. So I'm looking to you, Jesus, to have your way, to do everything you want to do. Take this room under your complete authority. I thank you, Lord, for ministering to us, gripping our hearts. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, turn with me in your Bible, your device. If you got a, if you got a paper Bible, shake it for everybody to hear it. Oh. Uh, wow, man, we have a lot of paper Bibles in the house. Amazing. I haven't touched one since 1973. Well, that's probably not true. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. So um, I'll share. I'm, oh, John's in the rub zone tonight. The rub zone. You got a lot of dippity do in your hair there, John. <laughs> Watch out. Looking, li- looking nice for the ladies. Got the hair right. Fiance, not the ladies, the lady. Excuse me. Sorry, Paxton. Just, we release you from all the other ladies. <laughs> um, sorry. All right. I need to be focused tonight because I really was like dialed in with the Lord. So, John, don't distract me with your luxurious hair. All right. Um, I, uh, and every time I see John, I always hit him. <laughs> it's because he's big. I just want to bang on him. So, this is perfect. I can preach like this tonight. All right. Sorry. So I would just tell you this. So last Thursday night, I was, um, I was so desirous for the Lord to move and to break in on all of our hearts and to, to deal with the issues of performance where we're trying to form to get God's approval and get God's love. And, and I know y'all were engaging and y'all were pulling on that truth of God's love that you don't have to perform for it, you can receive it. And as I was identifying it, I, I know that a lot of you were feeling convicted. And I could also tell that that a lot a lot of us were feeling shame, like, oh my gosh, I should know God loves me and I shouldn't have to perform. And and I could feel we were fighting all of that. And um and so when I when I left out of here, I was my my heart was like burdened and uh and my my soul was like unsettled. And so, even Friday morning, I was in the prayer room, and I was just sort of, I was just sort of wrestling, and, and I had this unsettled feeling in my soul, like, God, what is it, what is this, what's going on in here? And, and I was just, I had an ache, and the ache that was inside of me was for y'all. And I I was, um, I was moved into prayer, just praying for you guys and really believing for something to shift and change um, in all of our hearts. And I was thinking about the last three weeks and thinking about, you know, coming out of, you know, being self-centered and then coming into fighting for others and then coming out of performance and even like, Lord, what would you have me to share even tonight? And just so carrying all of y'all in my heart like all week. And, um, and I'll, I always go home and ask my sons, like, go, what do you want me to, what should I preach on next week, you know? And, and then they, they say weird stuff. And, and I'm like, well, not that, guys. <laughs> no, they actually say good things every time. And so I, so this, but tonight, I am going to preach to you guys one of my most dear, like, heart messages. Like, if you cut me open and get down into the deep part of who I am, this is what will come out. And so um, I, wanna, I just want to give you something that I think is um, super, super important, and it's super, super precious to me. And here's what I realized. As I was praying for you guys all this week, uh, there was this, that ache was just, it was just working my soul just on the inside, like, man, it's almost like something's wrong, but it's not something wrong. And there's a desire and there's, you can't, and, and the feeling I've had, it's so, it's so familiar. It's like, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I know there's something more. And um, I can, I liken it to this, like when I was a little kid, I would get up and I, and, I, and I would go to the refrigerator and I would just be like, okay, I want something to eat. And I would look around the refrigerator and I'd be like, but I'm not hungry. And I would shut the, you know, thing. And then I would like, oh, I want to watch TV. And I'd turn on the TV and I'd flip every single channel. We had four of them when I was a little kid. <laughs> Actually, we didn't have a remote control. (laughs) And I would go through the channels, and i go through them about 12 times, and it was like nothing on the TV. And then i go around my house trying to find something to do, and, you know, there was nothing that was satisfying me. And I'm walking around trying to find something to scratch this itch that's down on the inside of me that I have no name for because I don't know God. And I can't figure out what is this longing deep inside of me. And um, when I get saved, you know, I, I realized that my whole life I'd been looking for God. And that that thing that was always driving me, gnawing at me on the inside was my soul telling me, you want God and you don't know it. And, um, and being with you guys, I would even just say three weeks ago, like the first week that I was with you all at the beginning of the year. I was standing in the back of the room, and I kind of, you know, I'm just back there just sort of worshiping, and, and I'm like, there's something familiar in the room, the atmosphere. And it was, it was sparking my mind. Like, all of a sudden, I started having all these, like, ideas and desires and longings, and it was just you guys and your, your worship and what we were doing on the platform and how the room was moving. My mind was lit up with possibilities, and, um, and so I was like, huh, that's interesting, and we had a great week that week, and, and then the next two weeks were good, and, but last week, I felt this gnawing again, like there's something missing, you know, and I was in the prayer room that Friday, last Friday, and there's something more. There's something else, and um, did anybody feel like that last week? Just hey, me? Oh, yeah, some of you are saying and man, I was like, man, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. And as I was in the prayer room praying, I, I realized that y'all were, y'all were awakening something in me that has been asleep for a little while. And it's, it's the possibilities of what can be. It's the extent of what could happen. It's the idea of what is available. And um, because I'm so used to right now ministering almost only to like Sunday morning services and there's a time frame and there's children's workers and you can't kill the children's workers because you went four hours in the service. And, you know, there's who knows the new guy and you're trying to take care of everybody and make sure you can relate to it. So you, you're like... For me, it's almost like, okay, you get to drive 35 miles an hour and you can't change lanes. You just got to keep it steady and we'll be done in an hour and a half or two hours. And it's like, okay, we're done. Well, that for me is like, um, it's like putting a a lion in a cage or something. And uh, because he knows he's meant, you know, it's like Madagascar. He knows he's meant to run, but he doesn't know what the deal is. And he got domesticated, and then when he doesn't eat, he just wants to eat his friend, and he ends up biting. You know, a guy like that ends up biting his friend in the butt, and he doesn't know why. The analogy fails right there. But here's the point. He he knew there was more. He just couldn't put his finger on it. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, and, and being with y'all, I would just say that something was awakened in me and alerted in me of possibility. And I think one of the things that breaks my heart about 20-year-olds right now is that everything in the society is trying to steal your ability to dream. It's trying to steal the what-ifs, what-could-bes. And it's all trying to settle you into a certain box and and till, until you just get to the place where everything is stupid and like we talked a few weeks ago just we just troll everything cuz nothing matters and um it, man i know this is all jumbled all over the place is this making any sense at all yet the thing i want to say to you is there's so much more in God, and you guys have the best opportunity you'll ever have in your whole life right now to experience that more in God. You're not kids anymore. You're not teens anymore. Well, some of y'all are, but y'all are young adults. You're you're beyond the teen age where you don't know Jack. You kind of get that you don't know Jack, so you're getting a little maturity on you. But you're in that young adult age where all of a sudden, like, you, you can kind of, you're kind of understanding life. And this is the time where you have the best opportunity to experience the more of God. You've got all the energy. You've got all the hunger, all the desire. And there really is no ceiling. You're not stuck in a time slot. I mean, we're gonna say goodnight tonight and then y'all are gonna go hang out for another three hours. Like, there's no constraints. And you're in that place in your life, if you don't let the world steal it from you, where you dream. You can dream about what could be, about what the possibilities are, about what it could look like if you really got a hold of God. And about what it could look like if your friends really got a hold of God. And and what it could be like if God really came and started rocking people's world over and over and over again. And what if we really did see an onslaught of the Holy Spirit? What I mean is the power of the Holy Spirit moving. So demons are being pulled out of people. And the Holy Spirit is filling people. So the best thing you can do with your friend that's on drugs is just get him to the service because heaven's hitting in there. And when we get in there and we're starting to sing and we're starting to worship and the praise is starting to hit and the presence of the Lord is starting to fall in that corporate place where the Bible talks about you're built together as a dwelling place for God and the spirit. That's not a, a building. That's an us we being built together as a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. And then when we are in the unity of the Spirit with one voice and one mind and one mouth and we're glorifying the Lord and glory is falling in that place and then you realize, man, we could get anybody into this spot because glory is in the midst, the demons will come out, the sicknesses will leave, the depression will lift off of them and the power of God is resonant and all things are possible in that place. And see... Y'all are in that age where, like, you can dream and you can believe and, and you can see it. And you're, you're not anchored down by all the things that you get anchored down by when you turn 30 and 40 and 50. And there's possibilities. And I was sitting there in that first week in the back of the room and I felt the atmosphere and I thought, it's po- like it's possible that God could move in power if these guys could just get a vision of what that could look like. And it started awakening stuff in me that's been asleep for a little while. And not asleep like gone and dead, but like I didn't have outlets for it. And I started realizing, man, there's, there's so much more. And so... <laughs> I remember so many times where I was in meetings and the more was hitting. And the power of God was hitting. I had hundreds of teenagers coming to my youth group, not because I'm cool or even what we did was cool, but because power was there. So they would grab their friend who was depressed, get them into the service. The power of God would hit them. They'd be on the floor for hours with a river flowing through them and fire hitting them, and they get up and they say, I'm completely different. I remember Jamie Boy, who's on the podcast, who you'll listen to tomorrow. Well, he was, uh, he was an All-American football player, and in high school, he was like, he was him, you know, in high school. And, uh, and he, so he gets radically saved. And he, I remember when he got rid of all of his, all of his uh, music, and he had like every kind of heavy metal music there was, and he'd get himself all jacked up on heavy metal music and go like crush people during his football games. And he like threw away all this stuff, and he was just like full-on Jesus Rambo guy in high school. And he was the same size as he is now, he's like six foot four, like two fifty. So people listened to him. He's a good looking guy. He could have been something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? And uh <laughs> you know, but that guy, he would invite every single person in his school, anybody that, anybody he could, he'd invite him to um, come to our church because the power of God was hitting people. He would get the most unsaved kid. He would get the atheist kid, and he'd literally just go, look, I dare you to come to my youth group. Why would I want to come to your youth group? God's not really. good." goes, yeah, I dare you. Come to the youth group and see if God's real. And he would bring these kids in, and they would be standing in front of me like, and he'd go, all right, pray for this guy. And the kid would be standing there with a bad look on his face. But we had so much stuff going on, power hitting. I, a lot of times, I'd just reach my hand out to touch them. This is a true story. Jamie will corroborate. I'd reach my hand out to touch them. They'd go flying backwards. They'd get up off the ground and go, what'd you just do to me? Like, like wanting to fight me. What'd you do to me, man? i go, I didn't touch you. That was God that touched you. And he just put you on your butt. Now, is he real or isn't he? And he, that he must have led 50 people to the Lord like that. Bring them to the youth group. Power's hitting. They're watching things happen. The conviction of God is falling. And the most radical sinner kid would come in. They had this one kid. He was, he was this white kid with a fro. They called him the fro. And he got radically saved. But get this. Jamie Boy in high school, and this is just teenagers now. This is not y'all. This, y'all are like got to step up on this. Jamie Boy ends up doing an outreach in his high school. Watch this. We get a Braves player. We get the Fro, who was like everybody in the high school knew this kid. He was just this bizarre kid who got radically saved. We got Jamie Boy, and we got Jeff Foxworthy to speak at our outreach. I remember, y'all know who Jeff Foxworthy is? Oh crap! (laughs) Somebody Google Jeff Foxworthy. Jeff Foxworthy's huge. He's huge. He's like Grammy Award presenter Jeff Foxworthy. He's like huge. Do you see Jeff Foxworthy? He's legit, right? Okay, thank you. He's still legit. He's actually still legit. This is not an old guy thing. Don't look at me like that, all you. You might be a redneck if are you smarter than a fifth grader? Jeff Foxworthy, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We got Jeff Foxworthy to speak at the outreach at the high school. We packed out the gym. They had the police there. They shut the doors, they locked people out. There was a hundred people outside. We had all the news channels. Jamie Boyd gets to preach the gospel to his high school, and hundreds of people get born again in the high school. And the whole thing was just built on this like, what could God do? What's possible? And I just, I want you to dream a minute, like what's possible for God to do in your life? And, and, and what about the people that you know that need him around you? And, and what about your job? And, and, and what about your school? And, and what about the campus? And, and what about every single person in your life? I will never forget the night this one kid came, and we had a season of revival where I, I could just, we could be here till midnight where I'm telling the stories, but this is so wild. This kid comes, and he'd been coming to our youth group. He gets, he gets hit by the power of God, and he's on the floor for three hours until the meeting is over. We used to have three-hour youth meetings, and not three hours like playing games, like three hours, Holy Spirit onslaught, people laid all over the place, fire hitting, demons coming out of people, people getting healed. This was every single service. Well, this kid, he can't walk. He's out. He's completely out under the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've never heard of that, it happens. It happens when God's moving, people get short-circuited. So here's what happens. My ushers carry this kid out to the car. And they, they, he's going out to the car, and they go out, and they put the kid, they pile him in the backseat of his dad's car. And the dad comes in, and he's yelling at me. What'd you do to my son? He can't walk <laughs> like he's at me. And I go well, well, <laughs> well. Let's go see him. Let's go see what's going on. And I walk out of the car, and I go, "Hey, hey, Tony, hey, Tony." He's in the back seat. He's like, "Ah." I go, "Hey, Tony, <laughs> are you there?" He's like, "Ah." He's like not even talking. He's laid completely out. He's just out. Power of God's on this kid. And he goes, "See, look what you did to him." <laughs> and he goes. He goes, what'd you do? He's, yeah, I mean, he's like, this guy's mad. He's going to do something to me. And, and I said, well, well, have you ever stuck your finger into a socket? He goes, yeah. It, and I go, it, and it hurt, right? <laughs> this is what the dad said. Because it, it turned out he was like a blue collar, like construction kind of dude. So he'd done that before. <laughs> I go, it hurt, right? He goes, yeah. I go, ever ever shock you, like knock you back? He goes, yes. I go, that's like 220 or something, right? And he goes, yeah, that's like 220. And I go, well, what if it was God? (laughs) That's what I said. I go, if it was God, you might get knocked out for a little while and then have a hard time getting back up, and you might look like your son. (laughs) And I said, that's what happened to him. And the guy looks at, he, I mean, he went from so angry, he goes, well, that, I, that, okay. That dude got, the dad got saved, ended up being like my head usher. Like in like three months, he was like carrying people out to their cars. It was, it was wild. We had so many stories like that. So many times where the power of God would hit the room And the whole atmosphere would change. And just just take your faith to the top shelf and then just go out the top. We had multiple times where kids saw angels in the room. And not like, oh, yeah, I saw an angel too. They were like, (sighs) like freaking out coming to me, going, I saw. I saw an angel, like messed up multiple times, multiple times where people walked, just walked through the facility and they got a healing in their body. I I remember this one time, this, uh, the ushers used to come into our room. We had a giant room, probably twice this big and it would be packed and they would count. They'd be standing back there however long it would take them to count like 200 or 300 kids. And the, the wife had lifelong eczema. Her hands and her arms were covered with it, and she used to cover it up. They walked in to count the room, and when they left, as they're walking back across the parking lot, because our building was separated from the, the main church facilities, she looks down and her eczema is gone. She takes off her, her jacket or whatever and looks, and all the eczema is gone. All she did was walk through the room. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, dozens. And dozens and dozens of testimonies like that. Hundreds of people getting born again. And it was, it was, it literally was this the presence of God would hit the room. And when that happened, all bets were off. And it messed me up. It messed me up for regular church. It messed me up for let's just do three songs or five songs and let's just have a nice worship time and let's just, you know, do a nice little sermon and good message, pastor. If you want to insult me, say good message. Because that's like the most painful thing. And it messed me up so bad that I just, I got ruined for church. And I know that sounds stupid because I'm a pastor, I'm the director of a church. But it, ruined, it messed me up for just going through the motions and doing religious services. And um, we had a six-month season where we were meeting four nights a week because there was so much glory. You know, we all say, oh, glory, All oh, the glory of God. No, it was glory. It was, it was glory in the midst. And it would be so funny because the worship team would go. They'd do a couple songs. And in, in one minute, it's like, oh, that was fine. That's nice. And in the next second, boom, something would shift. The whole room was different. It was almost like, I don't even, I can't. The atmosphere changed. Like, like special effects hit the room, spiritual special effects. That's, the whole thing shifts, and you're like, oh, my gosh, God's here. And from that moment forward for the rest of the service, it was anything goes. And people got saved every single week. It was, it was so easy. I would literally, I wouldn't even have to hardly, I mean, I, I preached every, every time, or, or the guy that was doing it with me, we'd preach the Bible every time. But we could literally just get up. Once the thing shifted, once the, the glory of God hit the place, once it shifted, we could just say, if you're not saved and you want to get saved right now, if you believe God's real and you've never felt that before, but you want to get saved right now, come forward. People would just come out of their chairs just instantly. It was the most amazing season of my entire life in terms of encounter with God. The power of God would come up. We'd pray for people. There would be, at times, 100 people laid out in the spirit. I would, I've watched this. If I watched it once, I watched it 12 times. I'd go to pray for one person, and five would fall down. It was like a bomb would hit, and poof, go pray I've seen it where the power of God would be like on me, where I'm shaking, I'm, re- I'm like vibrating, and I'm walking past people, and they're getting hit, they're falling over. I'm not even sh- praying for them. It was like it was like God dropping His presence, His glory, and it wasn't just on me; it was on multiple people. It would be on me so strong we would depart, we would leave at 11:30 or 12. So our youth meetings went from seven till midnight, four nights a week. Parents were pissed. <laughs> just to say it straight, <laughs> because their kids were like, you know, so jacked up and going home at midnight, and you know it's church, and it's like, what do you do? But I would leave there at eleven. I would go eat. I'd go in, go to in my bed, and I would be shaking three or four nights a week. I'd be shaking in my bed. My wife can corroborate this till three o'clock in the morning sometimes, just shaking. Because the presence of God, the power of God was there. I'm convinced God didn't do that in my life for a six-month season just so I could have cool stories to tell. And so I could always talk about what God used to do. And I, and I learned to say this, if you get used to God, you'll only ever talk about what God used to do. And that's what I want to get you guys out of. Like, don't get used to this thing. Don't get used to God. Don't imagine you've got it down. And don't imagine he's a God far off. He's, he's God with us. And he promises wherever two or more gather in his name, he's there in the midst. And he moves at the least little bit of faith. And if you have a little bit of desire, a little bit of faith, God runs to meet that. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You take one step, he runs 99. And it was in that season that I got jacked up, ruined for church. Six months, four nights a week. I mean, it was out of control. We had, <laughs> we had 600 teenagers get saved, first-time commitments. We didn't even count anybody that was rededicating. 600 get saved in six months in my youth group. It was off the charts. And when that, when that season kind of came to an end, like the Lord made it really clear, like it was, it was coming to an end, there was real challenges where how we were doing church, I was messing people's families up, parents were all mad at me. I mean, it was just, it was just difficult to, to steward that thing inside of like Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Well, we were like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, <laughs> it just, it was, it was difficult. And when that thing came to the end, I was, I was messed up because I didn't want it. I couldn't figure out how to do church as normal anymore. And I was fasting and I do 40 day fast and I'd be like, God, where are you? Like, cause I didn't care about, it wasn't about having big meetings or even having like power things and look, bang, you can fall out if I touch you. It was like, God was right here. Like he was like right here. And I remember in that season coming out of that and having to go back to like regular services and they put a stopwatch on me and they were like, okay, you got to be done in an hour and 45 minutes. And I remember one time, one time as we were just getting into the new zone of like it's hour 45 minutes, I have a full altar of teenagers and they're like in the altar, hands raised, like crying out to God and boom, the lights come on. They cut the band, they throw a CD on. And I watch kids go, ah. What what? <laughs> it was just it was just wild. And I went in, I i just I'm just being real with you. I went into a season of like, I mean I didn't go see a doctor, I probably should have, but I was in like a season of like legit depression. And I remember I would go into I would come into my office and I would I would have meetings set up all day and I'd say to my assistant, I'd say, hey, let's just you know what? Like, I can't do any, I can't do any meetings today. And we had this little room, like, maybe like as big as the sound booth and the storage areas, but it was a it was a square, maybe one storage area. And, and we had this little room. We had these couches we got at garage sales. And I would just go, and I would lay in there, and I'd cry for like two, three, sometimes five hours. And, and it was because I was. because I'd touched something that I'd been praying for for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden there was no outlet for it. And it was, (laughs) I'll never forget this. I was invited to go do this youth camp, um, and I go to this church, and they're going to do a youth meeting on, on Saturday night, Friday and Saturday night, and then they want me to stay over and do their two Sunday morning services. And the power of God hits the youth group on the, fr- on the Friday and the Saturday, so I get up to do the Sunday, and it hits the adults on the Sunday, and it's so jacked up, they don't even get to dismiss the service, they've got adults now laid out all over the place, and the second service comes in on top of the first service, and the whole thing is just one giant mess, and half the church gets mad, <laughs> like I jacked up the church, and they were like, that was an amazing weekend. We'll, we can never have you back. <laughs> Seriously. And I just, I was like, man, I don't fit anymore. And, uh, and so I would sit in that room and I would, I would cancel my meetings and I would sit in that room and I would, I would just cry in there and I would, I would like three, four, five hours and I'd be crying and I'd just like, God help, like do something. And it was in that season that a friend of mine he goes uh, he goes, hey, come to this conference with me in Kansas City. And and he goes, it looks a little sketchy, but I know you're into that kind of thing, so why don't you come on? (laughs) And I was like, okay, I mean, okay, okay. (laughs) And it was it was one thing, and and I remember they only all they preached on was intimacy with God. And it pulled me out of it pulled me out of that depression. And because, I, because it was so it was so rich about how God loved me. and it, it shifted things in my soul. It changed me on the inside. And uh, And that's how I got introduced to doing nine day prayer. because the, the hunger on the inside, it never stopped. And being broken for church as usual, it never stopped. And so the, the capacity and the desire for God, it, it just, it's just so messed up. I, I just couldn't go back to church as usual. So it was like the only thing that makes sense is just spending all my days in his presence and just living that way so that this, this gaping hunger on the inside, at least I can scratch that itch in some way. You know what I'm saying? and uh, and it was like in this place of being in the prayer room and I'm aching now we get high hop started it goes 40 hours it goes 70 hours it goes 120 hours and it goes it goes 24/7 in 16 months is the only other 24/7 in the nation 16 months in and um you know that's 2006 and it goes on 212 which is a prophetic number for me it was the name of my youth group it's impossible to make it happen. It all happens. And the Lord's, the entire time, the Lord's witnessing to me, saying this to me, because when we shut down, when we shut down my, the revival that was going on in my youth group, when we shut that down, I remember leaving. I was crying as, we were, as I was leaving this one service. And I remember the Lord said to me, he said, as I'm driving out, I will never forget this. I was pulling out of the parking lot. He goes, he goes, it's okay, son. It's okay, son. You're going to have another chance. And what I knew he was saying was, this has only been an appetizer. There's something much bigger coming. And uh, and so then we, I get in the prayer room, and we're doing night and day prayer, and, and it's this passage right here. Um, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I was crying for like, I was crying for like the hour before I came in here tonight. I'm just really tender over this stuff, so just bear with me. But it's this passage, Psalm 42, this is this is my heart. And I pray that tonight that somehow this would spark some of you, if, if it even sparked one of you, that you said, you know what, I can't live. I can't live business as usual. I, I can't live with a low vision, I have to have something more from God, then it, tonight will be worth it for me. Psalm 42 As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, From the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mazar, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I'm going to try to be brief with this. This is such an important psalm. Your Bible probably says a psalm of uh, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. I'm convinced it was for the sons of Korah, and commentators will corroborate that, that it's unlikely that this was written by the sons of Korah, but more than likely it was written for them as they were some of the chief song leaders in David's tabernacle. This is very likely a psalm of David, and the, con- the context of this song tells us why. He says, as the deer pants for the water brooks... So my soul longs for you, O oh God. So the water brook—that that's the River Jordan. That was historically known. The River Jordan was known as the Water Brook. And he says, "From the Jordan, my soul pants." This is likely, if you if you remember David's life, this is likely when David, when his own son Absalom, seizes the kingdom. And chases David out of Jerusalem. And David has to leave Jerusalem. And he has to go about what would be about 25 or 30 miles. And he has to cross the Jordan. And leave the land of Israel. Because he's being hunted by his own son. And his own son has set up this whole treason thing. And he's taking over the kingdom from David. And and Absalom does horrific things to, to defame David. And so he says... As a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, oh God. So here's the thing about deer. Deer are in woods, right? You don't usually see deer like hanging out in clearings, doing, you know, unless you're at, what's that college up there? Barry, they've got all the deer hanging out, right? But the, beer, the beer, the deer, they stay under the cover of woods. Because deer, thanks man. Deer are they are aware that there's predators always trying to hunt them. So a deer, for a deer to come out to an open area to a a moving water, because see they don't drink out of moving water, they drink out of pools. And they, they eat leaves. That's how they that's how they get water. They don't they don't go to rivers. But for a deer to go to a moving water in a clearing, the only reason a deer does that is because it thinks it's going to die. And the only reason a deer thinks it's going to die is it's been running so hard that it it literally is about to collapse. And the only reason a deer would be running that hard is because it's been running away from a predator. So here's David running from his son, and I think he's crossed the Jordan, and he looks up, and maybe some of his men are trying to get a deer, and they chase it to the Jordan River, And and David goes, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you. And the only reason that deer is running to the water brooks is because it knows it's going to die if it doesn't get water. And here's what David's saying. He goes, yeah, it might be that my son is chasing me down, and it might be that I need to get my kingdom back, and yeah, everything in my whole life has been taken from me, but the truth of the matter is, they can have all that. I just want God it doesn't matter what they take from me because what's going on on the inside is telling me that the only thing that I really need right now is God. He goes, that deer and me have a lot in common. As a deer pants, so my soul pants. And what's interesting is that word pants, that Hebrew word that we, that we translate to English, pants, it literally just means longs. As the deer longs for the water brooks, so my soul longs for you. And then he says this in verse two, my soul thirsts for God. Let me tell you guys something. Like, gosh, if you could get this, it'll make your life, it'll change your life. Every desire that you have Everything that's making you tick right now, every longing that you have is a desire for God. And we go after meeting all these longings in our soul in so many different ways, and ultimately it is a longing for God because that's what's written on the inside of you. Uh, You want to be free? That's a longing for God. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. You want to be affirmed? That's a longing for God. You've been accepted in the beloved. You want to be filled with joy? You want to come out of depression? In his presence is fullness of joy. Every desire of the human heart is fully met in God. You want to create? You're made in his image and likeness. Get in touch with the Creator, and you will make marvelous things. Everything on the inside of you that has a gnawing, a desire, a longing, a hunger, I can take that longing, that gnawing, that desire, and I can bring it right back and show you that it's God. Your soul is telling you all the time that you need God. That's what's going on on the inside. All those intertwined, bizarre things, you feel accepted, rejected, you you want more, you want less, you want to be alone, you want to be together, all that stuff, you're looking for the food, it's not the food, you're looking on the TV, it's not the TV, that gnawing on the inside is your soul telling you, you were made for God, and that all your dreams, all your desires, all your longings are ultimately fulfilled in Him and Him alone. And every human heart is made that way. I don't ever fault drug addicts because they are just trying to scratch the itch on the inside. They're trying to find the euphoria. They're trying to find the joy. They're trying to find the majesty. They're they're trying to get lost in something. They're, They're looking for transcendence. They want heaven. And it's just that now, you, when I grew up, it would be like, hey, don't, don't do PCP because you'll get arrested. <laughs> now, it's, if you do any drugs, it's probably laced with fentanyl. It might kill you. It is a whole different game. And so somebody whose heart's longing for God, yeah, they end up with something with fentanyl in it, and they die, and it's game over. It's a whole nother thing right now but I don't look at that kid that died a fentanyl and go, oh, what a waste, what a piece of crap. I go, that kid, he just, his soul and a God. And this is where it just haunts me because if we are carrying Holy Spirit and if we are Jesus' body on the earth and if we're the representatives of Jesus, that kid should be able to bump into one of us and find what his soul is longing for. But we don't even know what our souls are longing for. And so what we do is we get absolutely Gorged on every other attraction and every other distraction, and anything that will scratch the itch of my soul. My soul is aching, but I don't, I don't know what to do with it. And, and what am I supposed to do? Pray all the time or just read my Bible all the time. Like how am I supposed to walk this thing out? I mean, I'm aching for something. And when the ache gets too intense, what we end up doing is we just tap. We just tap out, and we go, "You know what? Netflix. Just let me binge this thing right now, and let me just forget about it, because I can't deal with this. Have you ever been there? Where you can't deal with that ache on the inside, and you're going, what the crap is going on? What am I made for? And then you go, where are you? He goes, I remember when I used to go and celebrate with the people of God at festive gatherings. He's talking about going to Jerusalem with the feasts and all these pilgrim crowds and everybody's rejoicing going up. He goes, I remember when I used to do that. Right now I'm on the run. He goes, I remember what that joy was like and living that way, what that was like. He goes, and now my tears are my food. I remember when... I remember when one of my sons came to me, he said, Dad, I go to Christian school. Everybody there says they're saved, and nobody loves God. He goes, and when I try to get them to talk about God, they make fun of me. And the idea that that's the church, we don't know him at all. And it just is a sign that we've gorged ourselves on every other distraction and every other attraction, and what we've tried to do is anesthetize the longing in our hearts and fill it with anything else. Because I figured out what's going on with my soul. This is David. He goes, I'm the king of Israel. I have armies at my disposal. I've got a treasury of riches. My own son is trying to murder me. I've got more problems than any human could ever want. I've got more answers than any human could ever want. But the only thing that's going to make this situation right is God. That's what my soul needs. It's him. My soul thirsts for God. And he goes, And not some fake, not some fabrication, not some other God, the living God, the only God, the true God, the one God. My soul thirsts for God. And he goes, When am I going to see him? When shall I appear before God? When am I going to see God? That that phrase is literally, when will I see his face? What's moving in David is the same thing that was moving in Moses. Moses goes, you brought me out. You did all these signs and wonders. You gave me all these people to lead. But I don't want any of it. I want your glory. Let me see your face. David's got the same thing. See, something happens to you when you begin to get close. That song says it so well. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. How valuable are the things of earth to you? It shows you how distant you are from him. But the closer you get to him, the, closer you, the more you start realizing, this junk doesn't matter. None of this matters. He's what matters. Because my soul is going to ache until the day I die, until I see him face to face, unless I stuff enough crap into it to make me forget the longing, unless I play enough religious games and box myself in enough to where I think it's just three fast, three slow, a nice sermon pastor, and I go home. I'm telling you, there's more, guys. There's more. Listen, listen. There's so much more. so much more. I remember the night I was in a meeting, and as I'm sharing, I was sharing a testimony. I'd I'd had an encounter with the Lord, and I'd heard the voice of God. I'd literally physically heard the voice of God, and I'm sharing the testimony, and as I'm sharing the testimony, as I'm speaking, this lady is sitting to my right, she goes, sh- she goes shooting out of her chair. I-, I mean, just she gets, I don't know, thrown out of her chair. She spins around, and she falls out while I'm talking. And, and I remember thinking, oh, my God. God's here, and he's moving in this room. And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't want to be talking when God's doing what he's doing. And I remember I put the, I put the microphone down. And I walked to the side and I watched this with my own eyes. Your dad was there. I watched a hundred people get spontaneously thrown out of their chairs. Spontaneous. No one's saying, God's going to throw you out of your chair. No one's one's like setting the atmosphere to do that. And they're they're getting thrown and they're wailing like this young lady right here. And it's a hundred screaming because the glory of God's hit the room. And I watched this with my own eyes. I watched demons start coming out of people spontaneously. Nobody's going around casting demons out of people. I watched I watched people start manifesting demons because the glory was hitting. And they start manifesting demons. The, the guy that, that I was doing the meetings with was awesome at deliverance. I watched him with a word, just like Jesus, with a word, out! And they'd fall over and the, the demon would come out. I mean, I watched it happen a half dozen times. We didn't, we didn't preach. We didn't do anything. The glory of God hit the room. Guys, there's so much more. There's so much more. There's so much available. And you, you just, you got to kind of get to the place where you just go like, do I just want to do church as usual. Do I want to just keep going through the motions? Do I want to just, three fast and three slow, we had a nice time at Gatekeepers. What's for the snacks tonight? Like, do I want to live like that? Or is your soul telling you that I'm telling you something that's like a key to life? That there's more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. He promises. It's been the only thing that satisfied my heart over the years. He promises if I will stay hungry, he will fill me. He promises. He's not a liar. And I've seen him do dramatic things. I've seen so many beautiful things. I mean, I've seen people healed. I've seen people saved. I've seen demons come out of people. I've been to the underground church in China and preached in the underground church in Iran, and I've been all over the nations. I've got three invitations, international places, in my inbox right now that I'm not going to do just because I don't care. I just want him. I don't. It, it doesn't scratch an itch in my soul to be the guy traveling all over. I just want God to move. I wanna sit in my corner in that prayer room and I want one of you guys or all of you guys to get lit up with a vision for what it can look like that we would get the glory of God in this joint. And then we storm the place around here. We storm the gas station, we storm the campus, we storm our job, we storm the neighborhood and we get every young person in 10 miles of this place to just get themselves here because glory's falling and they start getting delivered, they start getting healed, they start getting saved. I'm telling you the possibilities. If if just, I mean, it doesn't take take a bunch. It just takes a handful to say, you know what? I'm not, in my generation, I'm not going to go through the motions. I'm not going to settle for the status quo. I'm not going to be okay with just having a nice meeting. I know you feel me. I know you know there's something on the inside that's telling you, man, this is real. Some of you church kids, you've been raised in church your whole life. You're so used to playing the church game. I wasn't raised in church. I grew up, my brothers and I, we would act like we were going to church. We would go to McDonald's and spend the money that our parents gave us to put in the offering bucket. Our parents sent us to church. They didn't even come. When they started building a new church down the road, I thought God was fake. I stood in the center of that church. I stood right where the pulpit would be, and I raised my hand to God. I said, If you're real, strike me dead. I don't believe you. You're not real. I said, Blank you. Prove to me you're real. If you're real, kill me now. Nothing happened. I go, I knew it. I knew you're fake. And we smoked dope in that church. And I was like, we're going to desecrate this place. And he just looked at me and goes, you're so cute. You're going to threaten me? He goes, I love you. I'll have you. He interrupted my life. And he delivered me. He rescued me. And I remember saying, man, I live so hard for the devil. I would pick out the kids at school, and I'd say, okay, that kid right there, we're going to get that kid high. We're going to get that kid high next week. And we would target kids to get them on drugs. And that kid kid right there, that little girl, we're going to get her drunk. Let's get her to the party. And I went so hard for the devil. that When I got saved, I said, man, I don't want to live some weak, Halfway life for Jesus, he's real. He's not. He's not worth my leftovers. He's worth everything. And I remember, I went to the University of Georgia, and I remember being on the campus, and I was—I'd skip my classes to go out on the campus and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> I got—I I graduated. I did—I did actually pass classes by the grace of God. But I can remember being out on campus and talking to people about Jesus and arguing with atheists. And I remember, man, like this one time I was talking to this atheist guy, and there was all this huge crowd around, and everybody was like arguing, and I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but I'm sure I was a jerk. And, but I was talking to him, and I remember this older Christian guy who was actually in the ministry. He goes, hey, man, can I talk to you for a minute? I go, yeah, and he pulls me aside, and he says this. He goes, listen, man, he goes, I think you need to calm down. He goes, you're a little idealistic. He goes, you need to be realistic. You need to settle down. Just settle your Christianity down. He goes, in a few years, all this is going to wear off. And I remember I said in my soul, I said, I'll never settle down. I'll never settle down. Because he promises. He promises he will fill the hungry. He promises if we ask, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. He promises in his name, we will cast out demons, we'll speak with new tongues, we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He promises. And I want you guys to get a vision and just just set the bar higher. It's not worth spending your life going through the motions. Wearing your Christian t-shirt, it's just not worth it. It's such—it's so pale and thin. Get the real God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And man, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes your tears are your food, that's it. And sometimes you feel like you're the only one. And sometimes you're aching. And sometimes you're in that prayer room like me. I'm talking about the one when I was a youth pastor and you have to cancel everything because it's messy sometimes. David, it was messy for him. He goes, why are you downcast, soul? He had to talk to himself. Why are you so downcast? Hope in God. He goes, he will be the help of my countenance. And then he goes, oh, my soul is done. He's in pain. And he goes, he'll meet. Then he finally goes, he will meet me with his loving kindness. His song will be with me in the night. He's going to move for me. And I just want to tell you guys, I'm going to wrap it up now. When I stood in the back of the room a month ago, something, something began to rattle in me. And I'm not, I, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because this is the reality of what I felt not because this is a good message, this is a mess. Something was in the atmosphere, and I thought, man, if these guys could just get a vision, get a hunger, they could just believe God would do so much. He would move so powerfully. I mean, depressions would just lift off of people. And sicknesses would lift off of people. And people would get saved and delivered. If, if, I, 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 I just could see it. Like if, if you just get a vision of what it could be like where you come together and you seek God and you, you hold on and you just say, I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you move in power. Something can really shift. And I just think that there's, Hundreds and hundreds of young people that need God. Y'all need him, but there's hundreds more that are like, they're, they're blowing themselves up right now because they don't know that their soul is longing for God. And I just felt something that day, and I thought, man, something can happen. Something can happen here. And I just I just want to call you into spiritual hunger. If there's anything I carry in my in my gut, it's this. I don't lead church because it's cool or because I must I get a status or because whatever. Like, I don't even do perks. Guys, this isn't this is not a brag. I don't take money from this place. I don't get a salary from the church. I don't do it for any of that. I do it because I want to see God. I want to see a move in revival. I want to see his glory manifest. I don't want to hear of one more fentanyl death in 50 miles of this place. I don't want to hear of one more kid that's suicidal because of depression and anxiety within 50 miles of this place. I want a glory zone. Where people walk into it and they're instantaneously delivered. I, I want, I want, I want people to know Jesus. I want to experience Jesus, and I want to feel him this close. I want to feel his breath on my face. Somebody asked me one time. They said, "Why do you want revival so bad?" I it's, "I love the signs and wonders. I love the glory of God. I love all the cool stuff that happens." but the main reason I want it is not for any of that. It's because in revival, God is so manifest. It's not that he's closer, but he's so manifest. He, he feels, it just feels like he's near. God comes near in revival. I'm telling you, it can be yours. It really can. It can can happen here. I'm convinced of that. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATL. We'll see you in the next episode.